This episode is sponsored by Ahrefs. If you're looking for ways to drive more SEO traffic, you need to take a look at Ahrefs. Ahrefs allows you to find and fix technical errors, keyword gaps with your competitors, and internal link opportunities. Many of the best SEOs in the game use Ahrefs, and so do Eli and I. It's a key tool in our work. We've been using it for many years with some of the best tech companies in the world. Check out hrefs.com and sign up for a free seven-day trial. Hello and welcome to episode number 10 of the Contrarian Marketing Podcast, where we give you ideas you might not be thinking about. Today, Eli and I are talking about how to build a successful consulting business. Eli, you've been a consultant for way longer than I. I just entered the world of it and love it. So we're going to share some tips about what to do and what not to do. But before we jump into that, let's talk quickly about our LinkedIn post. I asked our listeners and readers what the best way is to get a promotion in your job. And we had some interesting results. Some people actually said that doing your job well is not enough. The most effective way is sadly still to switch companies. Eli, have you done that in your career? You know, the biggest promotion I ever got in my career, I tried to switch companies. This is a longer story. We're gonna have to do a whole episode on this. I, I tried to switch companies when I was moving to Singapore and I got a new job. And when I went to give notice, then SurveyMonkey, and I was at SurveyMonkey at the time, they convinced me to stay and I got a 40% raise and a, a massive promotion. I got like a three-level promotion. So it was completely unintentional. I wasn't trying to negotiate it for it, but I do think this is valid. I think that companies don't necessarily appreciate their employees until they're gone. You could threaten to leave and get that promotion and you force them to really say, oh, we do appreciate you, we're willing to pay you more, we're willing to promote you. Or you could just go to another company who will appreciate you. And I think that's the sad reality. I do want to underscore that economy's rough right now. You know, Google just announced layoffs. Amazon's doing layoffs. Everyone's doing layoffs. People might be scared to ask for promotions. But the truth is, the employees that are still within a company, they're even more valuable. If you're valued and if you're doing a great job, I wouldn't be afraid of asking for that promotion if you deserve it. Asking for a promotion is probably not going to be the thing that puts you on the layoff list. I don't know. What do you think? I think so too. And I would preface that with saying, of course, you know, if you need to have a good reason to think that you deserve a promotion or you earned a promotion. So if you think that and you have proof to back that up, it's totally fine to go and ask for a promotion. As you said, you might not get a big of a promotion as maybe 2019 or so when things were still going really, really well everywhere. But I also agree that just because layoffs happen does not mean that you should not get a promotion. I think the art is in making the case well and having proof and having a fit with your manager, meaning knowing what your manager wanted in the first place and then delivering that. I, I think that was that was a very interesting insight to me that stood out. Several people in higher positions and manager positions said that just doing your job well is not enough. You need to go above and beyond. The effective way is still, unfortunately, to switch companies. You want to be loud about your successes, right? So you don't want to just do stuff, but you want to make sure your manager sees it, your manager's manager sees it, other people see it. There's a whole, I think there's a playbook to getting a promotion. I totally agree with you. We should actually do a whole episode on it. But I'm still waiting for a couple of readers to give us a signal and say, hey, Eli, Kevin, I would love to hear you talk about how to get a promotion. You know what? I always looked at other people and watched them rise in the company. And they, they went from like, you know, junior to senior pretty quickly. And they seem to really have it all together. And the thing is, they were really good at positioning how to do what they're doing. I, maybe it was not as good at that. But I think I'm better at consulting. And there's certain people that are really good fit for being in-house employees and corporate employees, and they aspire to be BVPs and C-suite and 
get those big titles and other people aspire to, you know, do what we're doing, not have a boss, have a lot, a lot of bosses, but like not a single boss or the job and a W2. So let, let's jump into the, the meat of what we're doing and, and, and talk about consulting. Let's do it, man. So you've been a consultant for a while. You've learned a whole lot of stuff. Matter of fact, you offered, you know, when I decided to go out on my own, you offered me a call and your time and give me some tips. And those were incredibly helpful and amazing. And I think some of these tips should be shared with the audience. So I'm curious, like, what are some of the most impactful things that you've learned so far? I think even before we dig into that, we have to talk about the first time I, I told you to be a consultant. So this was this past summer when I gave you these tips, you had just left your job and you were looking for the next thing. It's got to be like five, six years ago, you were leaving Atlassian and you, I think you left, you didn't have another job, right? That's right. Yeah. It was the first time in my career where I decided that I want to leave a company clean slate without having the next one lined up and just put myself out there and see who reaches out, who's open. And it was incredible. I got a lot of high profile tech companies reaching out who didn't yet have the position officially on their website, but who already knew they wanted to hire an SEO leader. And so I got into some of the best conversations before the job was even official. And that gave me a competitive advantage. So it was one of the best decisions ever. But of course, you know, I, I didn't have family at the time I was married or anything could make a very selfish decision. And I had some savings in the bank, so I could afford that kind of move. Yeah, see, I was right. So back then I told you, you had a big enough brand that you could do consulting. You demonstrated that by getting all those interviews because the brand, that brand was working. And the reason I told you to be a consultant is because I think there's so much upside. And back then, like I was at Survey Monkey, you came to meet me at Survey Monkey. We had lunch there. And we went through this whole idea. I was planning, I think I was a year away from actually becoming a full-time consultant, but I was planning on becoming this full-time consultant and you had just left. And I was like, there's a huge opportunity. And I, I think as I look out then, and now I, I feel even stronger about it is you think about like Neil Patel, Neil Patel, I've got to say he's probably on SEO Twitter, at least he's one of the most hated people on SEO LinkedIn. He's maybe less hated. There's some other hated people and Facebook also. A lot of the SEO industry, they like to rip on Neil Patel and say how terrible he is. Not going to stand up and defend Neil Patel at all. I don't know him. I don't know his practices. I've never worked with him. But I do think what Neil Patel and Neil Patel Digital in particular demonstrate is the massive upside there is in this industry. He was recently on the My First Million podcast, and I think he's, they said they do over $100 million a year in revenue, most of it from SEO. That's the potential. There's so many companies out there that don't understand SEO. They Look for an expert. You know, I see this all the time. They're like, oh, everyone's kind of full of it, and we have no idea as an expert. And somehow Neil Patel and his agency is able to stand as like he speaks for SEO and he understands SEO, and you're not getting ripped off. He uses his name and his face and everything, and that's enough. Like you go to Neil Patel Digital's homepage, you can see logos from ESPN and CNN and Intuit and LinkedIn and Adobe, like some really respectable brands who are paying them. And I know on that podcast, he said they work with a lot of the Fortune 100. To me, that's the upside. It's not about being a consultant and trying to do an audit and a little bit of work for you know, the next hot startup. It's really about how do you sell to these mega brands? And you know, as you said, you got interviews at these mega brands, but you can also do consulting for these mega brands. And the last thing I'll say on this, and I really want to hear what you think, is when I was still at SurveyMonkey, I remember PR Newswire approached me about doing this webinar. This was pre-COVID. They were going to do a webinar and they were charging $900 for this webinar. I think Patrick Stocks was on it. I forget who else was in this webinar. I ended up making it, but they were charging $900 to go to this webinar and they sold it. I mean, they sold it to their customers, like the kind of teams that, I don't know, pay for PR Newswire. 
there's so many people out there that don't understand marketing. They don't understand SEO. And they look at Neil Patel, PR and Newswire, and all these other agencies who may not do the work that we think is of high quality, but everyone else thinks it's of high quality. And to me, that's the potential. You have this massive industry, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars probably spent on marketing, or certainly the kind of marketing we do, and that can all be sold. And there's good work and you're a good operator and I hope I'm a good operator. So you tell me, how has it been for you? It's been fantastic. One thing that really helps that you have said before is the brand and that I've been active in this industry for so long. I mean, Technically, I've been in SEO for 12, 13 years now, right? It's a really, really long time. Even at Shopify, things outside of SEO, but I'm still recognized as an SEO or, or somebody whose main strength is SEO. But having the blog, having spoken at conferences and all that kind of stuff, that contributed massively. I was lucky to get almost a full portfolio of clients before I even announced that I was a consultant now. So that helped immensely. A strong network helped immensely. People were so kind to connect me with clients and all that kind of stuff. So I was very lucky. It's been an incredible experience. I love the work. I love the, the people who I work with and the companies. I call myself very lucky and privileged that I had such a great start. And I think there's something that you kind of painted the picture of with Neil Patel is kind of the perception and awareness thing. And that I learned is just so important, right? How people perceive you, whether you're an agency or a consultant is incredibly important. And I have never thought about it more than right now. I think there's some sort of a playbook to it, right? You and I were both fans of Ellen Weiss's Million Dollar Consulting and how he approaches this practice. And one of the things that he preaches as well is to, to be out there, to build a brand, to put content out and demonstrate your expertise. And I think that's something that you need to do in order to send out, build a reputation. And is also something that needs to be built on experience, right? So if somebody would really ask me, hey, I'm a college grad, should I become a consultant? I would actually say, no, that's a stupid idea. You need to gain experience first, right? I worked at an agency or several agencies for over five years before I went in a house. Then I went in house for six, seven years, right? Now I'm a consultant. So this is all based on a lot of experience. And so as a, as a newcomer, as somebody new to the industry, I think you need to learn from others first. I don't think it's good to go out on your own as a consultant and agency or in-house is probably your best bet. That is such a good point. You know, you reminded me of something that I think is very interesting. I've never been at an agency. I've never been a consultant with an agency. And I always feel like I'm lacking because I don't know the playbook. I see these consultants that are at agencies, you know, they, they stole the audit template. They, they know the pitch. They know how to compete against these big agencies. I don't know. I mean, I've seen them pitch me, but I've never pitched them myself. But I have seen some fantastic consultants. I'd say the thing I learned the most from a consultant is a guy named Aaron Shear, who unfortunately passed away a number of years ago. So I was working at this startup and Aaron Shear was our, our SEO consultant. I don't know. Have you ever heard of him or seen him speak or no? He was like an early SEO consultant. You know, he drove like, you know, expensive cars. He did well. Like he was a consultant for eBay. He was a consultant for Zappos. So he was a consultant at the startup I worked for. And the one thing I learned, like really learned from him was his level of confidence. So he would come in and the team would say, should we do A or B? And he would say, you should definitely do A. And they would say, how do you know? And he'd say, you're going to do A. Like, this is my experience. He was super confident about it. And then it failed, right? Did A, totally didn't work. We got less traffic. And he'd say, well, there was a 99% chance it would work. Unfortunately, we fell into the 1%. He was super confident. <laughs> I, I was right. My recommendation was right. I'm never wrong. But it happens to be that, you know, I can't, I don't know everything. I'm not Google. And I learned that confidence from him. And that's what people look for in consultants. 
they look for an external expert who's not doing what those internal experts are doing for them, or they don't have an internal expert. They're looking for an expert to really weigh in and give them a point of view and not someone who's just going to be do busy work. And you mentioned Alan Weiss. Alan Weiss calls the people that do busy work delivery people, like, you know, the person that does the Q research. Yes, there is money in being consultant for Q research, but that's the kind of thing you can outsource, unfortunately, badly on Upwork and Fiverr. The real upside is saying, I will solve your SEO problems. And I learned that from Aaron Shear. Again, we, I don't know whether he helped us grow or didn't help us grow, but everyone certainly thought he helped us grow. So going back to what I think is the most important thing within you know, building a, con a successful consulting career is really understanding sales. And it's not just, can you close the deal? But it's like, can you continue to have that confidence and direct your clients that they want to keep working with you because you know what you're talking about and, and you know what you're talking about and being able to come across that you know what you're talking about is so important. And then one last point on having jobs before you go into consulting. There was a company I talked to recently, which I was referred to by someone I sat next to at my very first job 16 years ago. So the longer you spend within companies, the bigger network you'll build. And like some of the best deals that I have signed have come from my former coworkers. They've referred me, they've been at these companies. You have to build that expertise within your network. Like you have an awesome blog and you have awesome content. And like, I've tried to do my own, I don't have a blog, but like I wrote a book, which really helps in closing deals. But it's so much more important that you have a network that can refer things to you, whether it's investors or friends or past coworkers or past clients, like that's where you're going to get so many things. And I've met some really terrible consultants who do just fine because they have that network. They're like, oh, everyone in you know, my city knows me. So they send deals to me. So to me, I think the most important skill is sales and really not just communication, but sales abilities and being able to communicate and convince people. That's funny you say that because I have also noticed that referrals are the number one source of new prospects and clients. If I had to pick a different one, I would say it's just a brand and a blog that I've built. I don't think you have to build a blog. I think if I were to start from scratch, honestly, I would probably start on YouTube and go down the video route, which I think is even more personal and forces you to demonstrate your expertise even more. So even though, sure, you can edit a video, it has a, it has a different perception of quality than written text. But for me, people know a lot of the content I put out on my blog and LinkedIn too. I got a surprisingly high amount of people reaching out through LinkedIn, some of which became huge clients, big brands. And so I think putting yourself out there, I think is a critical element. As you said, the network, the sales, but then also kind of being visible in the industry and being perceived as someone in the industry who is good. I think it's often underestimated, but SEO is actually a smaller industry than most people would think. People know each other. People are getting asked about each other, right? So we want to make sure that your peers respect you and that your peers appreciate you. Maybe for Neil Patel, digital is a little bit different because they might have a sales team that goes out and they pitch for RFPs and all that kind of stuff. So maybe their industry reputation, maybe it's not as important. I'd be really curious maybe to come back full circle on this. Like, What's your thesis for why Neil Patel Digital is so successful? If, it, if they make $100 million, they must be one of the largest SEO agencies out there. What do you think why that is? Yeah, so I actually, you got me really thinking about why that is. And my opinion is I don't think SEO is that hard. I don't think SEO is that differentiated. It's pretty basic. I mean, you're doing SEO for, I don't know, look at the brands they have. You're doing SEO for CNN. I think if you were to do SEO for CNN or if I were to do SEO for CNN or Neil Patel would do SEO for CNN or, you know, Rand Fishkin, the results and the recommendations would be very, very similar. The problem with the SEO industry is that 
you have to trust. It's a black box. You don't know exactly how this is going to work. It's not like paid marketing where you have a lot more insights into like, I spent this money, I returned this amount, but I've spent more, I don't know, but I will spend more and I'll find out. You don't have any of those insights. So it really comes across as like, how confident are you in the ability of the person I hired to give me the right recommendations? You and I know that we'd probably be the same and Neil Patel is probably recommending the same kinds of things. But Neil Patel Digital is able to come across, you know, if I were to go to CNN, I'm like, I don't know this Eli guy, like, I don't know, he doesn't seem very trustworthy, worked at SurveyMonkey, who, who knows that? But, oh, Neil Patel, I just see his face everywhere and this is a good pitch. Way more expensive than Eli or Kevin wanted to charge, but like, it's Neil Patel, he must know what he's talking about. So I, I feel like it comes down to that confidence in their ability, that they, the way they show up. And it's an unfortunate thing when it comes to marketing, which is, again, the way you show up with the, the presentations you do. Do they show up in person? Like, how well dressed are they and how confident are they? Like, you know, if you go to a marketing proposal pitch and you show up with ripped up shorts and like a, you know, T-shirt with, I don't know, <laughs> some concert, some band on it, they're not going to want to give you huge checks like they do if you show up very well dressed. Fortunately, that's the way it works. And I, I think Neil Patel Digital does show up like that. They must be doing something right if they really make a hundred million a year, which I we just know from hearsay. And just to call it out, I don't know Neil Patel. I have not worked with them, so I cannot judge firsthand of what they you know what they do and, and how well they do it. But that's the upside, right? It, if it's true, if it's a hundred million dollars, that just says like this is just one agency. And I think it's more than a hundred million dollars. Like if you just look at the brands they have. But this is just one agency and you and I, we don't need to make a hundred million dollars. We don't need to do any kind of stuff. I mean, I, I would be okay with it, but I don't think I, <laughs> I have no aspirations for it. And, and I certainly don't need that much money to live. So it just shows like how big this pie is that you have one agency that's out there doing it. And, and they're not even a big agency, like the big agencies, the ones that have the Apple as a client or the Samsung as a client, or Google has an SEO agency. Like, those are massive companies and I'm sure they, you know, calculate all that and it gets even bigger and everyone's got SEO agencies. We just passed an election. All political candidates were paying some SEO agency five, ten thousand dollars a month. This pie is so big. And to me, I just look at Neil Patel's like based on his brand alone, that's the potential. So based on our brands, we're based on, you know, all of our listeners' brands, huge potential out there if you build this and go after it. It is huge potential for sure, for sure. And I think the art is to to not only get in through a really good pitch, but then also keep clients and keep delivering. And that's always where I would love to just peek behind the scenes for once. I've only seen proposals from Neil Patel Digital. So again, I cannot really say much about how good or bad their work is and how they approach things. It's in fashion to just to bash Neil Patel. And, you know, to be honest, it's I think jealousy. Yeah, totally jealousy. That's what it is. I'm not sure if it's jealousy. I think there's a little bit of responsibility that he has to take as well and like how he presented himself. But I, I want to separate facts from fiction here and from stories. And, you know, if I'm completely honest, I, I just don't know a lot about them and how they work. So I don't want to pile on that, on that bashing. I agree with you, though, that I think the pie is really, really big. And selling yourself is important because SEO is so much art and science, right? It's a 50-50 split. And there are going to be things that you might suggest as a consultant or as an agency or in-house that are not perfectly quantifiable and provable. But, but you hear people, I, we know, we both know people who we highly respect in the industry who follow a similar framework where they know that some things work, but it's hard to say exactly how well and how much. And of course, as a company, you want to prioritize by impact. And sometimes it just needs that leap of faith to go out and do things. At G2, for example, we had quantified bets, but we called them big bets because they were bets. We didn't know exactly how they would play out. And they played out really, really well. 
and it took a while to get that buy-in and launch these things but that's often how seo work and so that that's why i can see that having that strong confidence of course backed up by good argumentation i don't think it's enough to just come in and say that's how it is and if you don't believe me then your problem right you need to have arguments and reasons but i think confidence is a factor in in, a, in an industry like seo totally and of course we have to give a shout out to our sponsor here hrefs like it's an awesome tool but so many consultants so many agencies they're using hrefs they download the data and they represent it as like here's our secrets here's your competitors here's the upsides here's the content gap <laughs> there was a company i talked to last week 100 million dollar company has raised this insane amount of money they're using an agency and i showed them hrefs and they said, oh, our agency uses it, but we don't have access to it. So we're thinking of paying conductor. I'm like, well, why wouldn't you just buy Atres for $120 a month? You don't need to spend $5,000 a month. So like the data is there. Their agency is packaging it and telling them what a fantastic job they're doing because they're using Atres. There are basic tools within our industry. There's Atres, there's SEMrush, there's Rink Ranger. Like there's very select ways to get this data. Similar web. And everyone else is just packaging and representing it. And Neil Patel Digital, one call out to him was like, they own some awesome tools. So he has Ubersuggest and they bought Answer the Public. I don't know if you know that. So they have some of their own tools, but they bought them. They didn't create them. But I, I'm certain that when they go into a pitch of like, these are your keywords, this is your content gap, it, they're just using Ahrefs, just downloading and, re <laughs> and repackaging it. So the whole industry are, is relying on the same tools and the same data, making the same recommendations. It's just how you sell it. Yes, which, which is an advantage, right? If you're aware of that, then you know that to stand out and be better, you just need to go beyond repackaging reports from tools, right? So we, I think we need to do a whole episode on just how to give good recommendations, how to identify opportunities and how to talk to companies because I have seen so, 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 so many pieces of work. They were just simply screenshots from tools sent over by email or exports from you know a, a tool uh, sent over. And that's just, that's just, bad bad work so i think we need, we need like maybe a second round of this maybe we call this a round one and we need to come back to this what do you think we need to do a lot i mean i posted uh, earlier this morning I, I don't know when we're going to air this but i posted earlier this morning on friday about just trying to get my some ideas from people and we got some great comments on linkedin if you have feedback and questions like please tell us what they are but like we didn't even touch on any of the things that anybody weighed in in because we just scratched the surface on like why you should do consulting and i think i could go on for hours and hours and like how important this is and like the things I've learned. And I actually wanted to be a consultant for many years before I became a consultant. So I put that work in and like how I was going to do that, like the conferences I spoke at, the content I created, because it, it is so important to really build that brand. You can't just like hang up a shingle and say like, hey, here's my website. I hope somebody comes and hires me because that has never happened for me. So you really got to build this and build it, you know, build a pipeline. But like, let's, let's wrap this because there's so many other things we got to do. But why don't we, we wrap up with places we learn. Like last episode, we talked about conferences and do we get any feedback on, on some other conferences? You change your opinion on other conferences we can go to, is, is that the place to learn? Or you know, how do we solve this? Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because I've been hearing a lot more about masterminds and smaller groups within conferences. So uh, Shanghai SEO, for example, they have the, the, the main conference and then there's a mastermind group around that actually several conferences are doing that where they have a workshop day or something along these lines and i think that can actually be a really really effective way to learn new things and build networks and reputations i think we both have been thinking about who organizes the contrarian marketing conference and i don't think anybody does it out there so 
should we do that? Like, should we put something out there? Should we build something? And I want to ask the readers to chime in here. Should there be a contrarian marketing conference? And if so, what should it look like? Should it be online in person? Should it be, you know, few people and not recorded? Should it be recorded? And everybody gets the video afterwards. Should it be, should it be free? I mean, everybody wants free content, but there is a downside to that as well. I want to ask you all to reach out to us and let us know what you think about whether there should be some summit or conference or mastermind. Yeah, I think we should do it anyways, because it'd be a lot of fun. This is a good idea. I've been to masterminds and they're, they're completely different than conferences. Like a conference, you get these presentations. Sometimes there's, you get no nuggets and like the decks are poorly designed. The speaker's not good and you just get nothing out of it. But a mastermind, it's conversational with an expert and it costs a lot of money. So I think we should do both. I mean, I think it'd be cool to like tap our networks and make a conference virtual or in person, but also to do some sort of mastermind. Like we could dig into so many different things and, you know, contrarian marketing, like different ideas of things we've seen. I think it'd be a lot of fun, but let's get ideas from everyone. So if you have ideas, totally let us know. Let us know. Speaking of ideas, books are one of the best ways to get new ideas. Let's finish this one with a quick one about books. I have maybe one or two. First one that we already mentioned is Million Dollar Consulting from Alan Weiss, a book that is, I don't know, what, 40 years old now, 30 years old. Yeah, I read the first one. This was years before I became a consultant. I don't know why, how I got the first one because he's up to like the sixth edition. And it was like, in order to set up a consulting practice, make sure you buy a fax machine and you have a postal machine so you can send up things and set up a voicemail and all that. So I, I don't think that's in his current book. I actually hired him to be my coach. So he was my coach for nine months and I went to his mastermind. So learned a ton from him. I think there's nobody that knows more about like being a successful value-based consultant than him. What other books you got? Um, another good one is from David H. Meister and it's called The Trusted Advisor. Uh, talks a lot about how to build credibility and respect and trustworthiness with clients and prospects and, and kind of be someone who people can lean on. It's a, it's a slightly different model than consultants or, or freelancers. I think as a freelancer, you're paid to get the answer or provide the answer. I think as a consultant or advisor, you're paid to write, raise the right questions. And that book really dives deep into that. Eli, bring us home with the last one. So I'm in the middle of this book called The Trillion Dollar Coach about a guy named Bill Campbell who's fascinating career. He was like a football coach and then he moved over to tech and he worked at Apple before Steve, well, I think after Steve Jobs left and then he was like the CEO of Intuit. And then somehow we got into this coaching thing where he started coaching all the Silicon Valley who's who, like Steve Jobs and Eric Schmidt, who's the CEO of Google, and Marissa Mayer, who is the CEO of Yahoo. So he passed away. No one ever, he didn't allow a book to be written about him while he was alive. And they wrote this book about him. Eric Schmidt and Jonathan Rosenberg from Google wrote this book about him. Not always a coach. It's not a consulting book, but it really gives you this sense of like, how as an external advisor, you can be helpful to people that we look up to as the best decision makers in the world. And they had problems making decisions. And I, it's a fascinating inside view into how you can be an external sounding board and give advice as an external person. And the upside here, I'm like, you see that Steve Jobs, who like we think is a visionary and a wizard, he needed help him make decisions. Like we thought he was the best at making decisions. And here you have the questions that he asked an external person. So fascinating book. Cool. Eli, that's a wrap. Appreciate the conversation. And now it's your turn. Head over to contrarianmarketingpodcast.com and subscribe to the free weekly newsletter to get a summary of today's episode, key takeaways, and community content. And while you're there, go to today's episode and leave your opinion in the comments. We'll feature the best thoughts in the newsletter and on the podcast. Also, if you like today's episode, please feel free to leave five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks so much for tuning in and here next week.